This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. Hour number two of Spears and Ali presented by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. If you want to join the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. We got uh, Jody Ayler from uh, Fox Sports up in Phoenix joining us at uh, 425 to talk to us about the Kevin Durant introductory press conference as well as the Jonathan Gannon introductory press conference. <laughs> Very different attendances those ones had. Yeah. Well, I think the the KD one was actually opened up for fans. Like They, they did it at the arena. Mm-hmm. They had it set up to where fans could go. I think the Cardinals one was just more, hey, let's just get the media people in here. Well, the Cardinals knew that they'd be filming a lot of empty seats probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Nobody's really excited about Jonathan Gannon. A lot of people are excited about Kevin Durant. And, you know, one could make the argument that acquiring Kevin Durant via trade could be the biggest trade in Phoenix sports history. And that will certainly be the case if KD delivers a title to the Valley. If Kevin Durant wins a championship with the Phoenix Suns, it's without a doubt, in my opinion, the biggest trade in Arizona sports history. Uh, And... They, they got their work cut out for them. The Western Conference is no joke. A lot of teams got better at the NBA trade deadline. But Phoenix, their core with KD, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. That is very stout, very impressive. And it's going to be fun to watch them play basketball. Now, K- KD's uh, knee status, he's not 100% certain that he's going to play after the All-Star break. So All-Star break is this weekend. A lot of guys are going to take some time off. I mean, we're talking about you know over a week off, and even with that time off, it's not a guarantee that Kevin Durant is going to come back. But the Phoenix Suns do play against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I would find it very symbolic that Kevin Durant's new chapter starts off with a matchup against the team that gave him his first chapter in the NBA in the Oklahoma City Thunder formerly known as the Seattle Supersonics. So um, I, I would love to see Kevin Durant. I think the ratings on that game would obviously be awesome, but uh, it's not a guarantee. And I, I don't think the Phoenix Suns really are pushing Kevin Durant to come back as soon as possible. They have their sights set on an NBA championship, getting the first Larry O'Brien trophy to the Valley. They're not rushing Kevin Durant anytime soon. And with Devin Booker back from his injury – looking pretty solid the other night. Chris Paul with 19 assists. I think the Phoenix Suns are just going to be okay with playing with the core they have now and allowing a guy like Kevin Durant to just come in because KD is the type of player where you could just drop him in the bucket and your production is either going to stay the same or improve tremendously. Like that's that's what we saw with the Golden State Warriors. And I know that the Phoenix Suns aren't the Warriors, right? Devin Booker is not. Steph Curry, um, they don't they don't have the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and, and a really good infrastructure, the, the, at least the infrastructure that the, that the Warriors had. But the the Suns, what they have is still pretty nice to offer. We're talking about the top five point guard of all time. 
a guy who, when he's healthy, is, a, is an all-star in Devin Booker, and then DeAndre Ayton, a walking double-double, you can put a guy like KD in the middle of all that, and production is going to pick up. So I don't think that they're willing to rush Kevin Durant to come back and play in the Valley. I think they're just going to allow him to take his sweet old time and get ready for the playoffs. Um, but all right, let's uh, we'll talk more about KD joining the Phoenix Suns and his introductory press conference with uh, Jody Ayler coming up at uh, 4:25, and then we'll also talk to him about the uh, Jonathan Gannon press conference in Glendale. The new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals was announced today. Um, all right, let's talk some Arizona Wildcats basketball though. This is uh, going to be a fun week in Arizona sports uh, down here in Tucson because. For the second time this season, the Arizona Wildcats basketball programs, both men and women's, are playing at home. That never happens, just so you guys know. That's rad. That never, ever happens, and it's and it's happened twice this year. Uh, usually what happens is the, the men play on Thursday and Saturday, and if they play here, the women play Friday, Sunday, somewhere else, and vice versa. This weekend, this week, starting tonight at 8 p.m., you got Arizona versus Utah. And then uh, tomorrow you have the Arizona women's basketball team. Saturday, you got the Arizona men's basketball team in action. And then the women's basketball team, they're also on Sunday. And they're playing against the Mountain Schools. Both teams are playing against Utah and Colorado this weekend. Mm. So you got all four of the the basketball programs between Colorado and Utah in Arizona, and they're going to be driving up I-10, playing against both the Arizona schools, which I find really interesting. And again, this never happened. We, uh, my colleague P.J. Brown, who who uh, we will talk to at 525, she asked Adia Barnes, when you were a player, did you ever have something like this? And she said, man, that was 20-something years ago. I barely remember yesterday. And Adia Barnes <laughs> didn't really offer any... Uh, sort of direction on if this has happened once upon a time, but I can't recall this ever happening. And I also can't recall it happening with the same schools. Like when it happened earlier in the year, the men's teams were playing against, uh, I think, the L.A. schools while the, the women's teams played against the Washington schools. Uh, so they, they were different schools, different pairings, but now it's the same schools, which I think is really cool. But uh, I actually have a story on Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app, which you could check out. Um, I spoke to Susie Mason, who is in charge of event coordination and facilities at the University of Arizona and the athletic department. And she's amazing. I love Susie Mason. She's world class. And she's a, a big time asset for the University of Arizona. And I had a, a sit down conversation with her yesterday. And, and I'm like, so. As someone who's in charge of coordinating events and facilities, what goes into four straight basketball games? And she said, actually, we have the game set up for basketball, and it's in game mode for four straight days. It's actually pretty easy. We just have to worry about cleanup, concessions, because you've got to make sure that there's enough chicken tenders in the building. You never run out of chicken tenders. That's one thing that I've learned in life. <laughs> actually, two things that I've learned in life. <laughs> Never get into an altercation with somebody who has a face tattoo, and always make sure that chicken tenders are available. Mm -hmm. Two lessons that I've learned in life. And don't go to a land war in Asia. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and uh, what, what, what's Ali's rule? Never play cards with a guy who's named after a city in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. L- lots of life lessons learned here on ESPN Tucson. But we, you, should, we should write a book. But, but yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the title. Never get into an alter- altercation with a guy with a face tattoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and other life lessons. And other life lessons, which you can find on Amazon. We need, we do need to get started on that. that that's that's amazing. All the life lessons here on, on ESPN Tucson. But, again, you never run out of chicken tenders. So the connection that they have with Aramark, who is the – the vendor that gives them all the food for the concessions. They need to make sure that they have enough food for the weekend, and they also need to make sure that staffing is coordinated because, hey, police officers, A-team security guys, they have other gigs that they have to do throughout town throughout the week. So normally you just have to worry about two games. It's easy, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. Now you got to worry about Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and make sure that you have the, the proper staff. So it's just a lot of management, uh, just a lot of tedious things that you have to monitor. You have to make sure you have all the custodians available, all the plumbers. There's a lot that goes into it. But uh, Susie said the one thing that's probably the the biggest change or the thing that they really have to worry about is the TV trucks. So three of the games, of three of the basketball games are on Pac-12 networks, including the one tonight. But then... In the middle, that Saturday game, the men's team uh, against Colorado, they got ESPN2. So ESPN2 has to bring in their semi-truck of production equipment and all that stuff. And then the Pac-12 Networks truck has to go just camp somewhere for the night. (laughs) That that sounds about right. Yeah, it has to go be parked somewhere. (laughs) They have to find somewhere. And, again, this is a a situation that they've never had to deal with. And they're just going to have to deal with it this weekend. But – I asked Susie Mason, I'm like, is this ideal? Like, could this be a thing moving forward? And she said, realistically, I would prefer that the games were mixed and matched. That way it's not oversaturated with with basketball. But the thing about Tucson, Arizona, is that they're going to support you no matter what. Dude, you could have a basketball game every day for a month. And And they're going to show up. They'd be packed out every day. And you know both programs actually lead the Pac-12 in attendance. Mm-hmm. Arizona men's basketball drawing in a little over 13,000. The women's basketball team drawing somewhere between five and 6,000. And when you add those two together, like w- McHale Center is going to have close to 40,000 people in a four-day stretch just all in that arena. So there's going to be a lot of people. And uh, so if you go to any of the games, this is my message to you. Life lesson here. We, we, we're, we're chock full of life lessons. But, you know, you should do this wherever you go. But especially this weekend, pick up after yourself. You know, I learned that from a young age, you know, when we were in the movie theater. And I thought, I'm just going to leave my popcorn bucket there. Ah, there, there's people who clean it up. They'll, they'll get it. And And my parents told me, now imagine if you're someone who's cleaning that up make their life easier by not giving them that, that that one thing to pick up, right? Think about if you were in that worker's shoes. And I'm like, you know what, that's that's true. So I always think about the other side of it. And so whenever you're at an event or movies, games, just pick up after yourself. You know, take the popcorn bucket, the trash, go throw it away. It makes everyone's life ten times easier. And this weekend, the custodial staff at McHale Center, they got to clean up after four games. That big old arena after four games – 
it can get really messy. Yep. So please, please pick up after yourself. Pick up after yourself, and if you're in those sections that the TV screen, uh, that the TV camera can see, I'm talking all those sections along the court, stand up. Stand For up. For the love of God, yeah. dude. Have some fun. Just cheer. <laughs> get live. Yay, they scored a basket. Quick, get me my oxygen tank. <laughs> well, that's actually uh, one of my favorite traditions at McHale Center, because where, where the media sits at, if people are standing up, it's really hard to see the court. And so whenever the opposing team makes the first basket and they all sit down, I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. And I can watch the game. So maybe sure. maybe on the opposite sure, side. Sure, sure. But like of the whole standing come up on, thing. Come on, man. I know. You got, you're right there. I know. McHale's actually been really good this year. I will been. say that. A lot, fans have been really good at standing up and, and being loud. Uh, but I'm, I think tonight's game is going to be pretty loud because Utah – they're number three in the Pac-12, so they're a really good team. I know that the Pac-12 is top heavy right now. You got UCLA, Arizona, and then the Funky Bunch. Um, but Utah still—I mean, Brandon Carlson is one of the top shot blockers in the Pac-12. Uh, he's going to give Arizona some fits down low, and I mean, I think Utah as well. I mean, they're just a really tough team, and they got their marquee win over Arizona in Salt Lake City earlier this season, but if you look at Arizona shooting numbers, just absolutely gross that game. Kirk Creasa was one for nine, uh, was not your your typical Kirk Creasa. Now, he did have a few assists, but it was a bad game for Kirk Creasa. Let's be real here. And uh, Pella Larson also was in his starting role. Ever since he's been back on the bench, he's been putting up double figures and has been a guy who steps up and guards multiple positions, whether it's a four, whether it's a three, whether it's a two. I mean, Pella Larson, he shoulders a lot of responsibilities on the defensive end for Arizona. And I think that, yes, the Stanford game, yes, while that was kind of a step back for everyone, with the exception of Courtney Ramey, because he lit up Stanford for 26 points, it was a step back game for everyone. Now, if you're Arizona, how do you dust yourself off and how do you get ready for this matchup because Utah they're going to they're going to take it to them. They're going to take it to you cuz Washington State they came in and absolutely bullied Arizona in McHale Center. Utah they kind of have the the same mindset. And Brandon Carlson like I said, he is a guy that's not going to back down from anything for Utah. And I think that the the matchups that Arizona doesn't really want right now moving forward, like in the NCAA tournament, or not the NCAA tournament, the Pac-12 tournament, UCLA is always a tough bout. You know, I, I think if if Arizona can hold off on playing UCLA until the Pac-12 championship game, which is probably going to happen, great. But Stanford is a really tough team. I mean, they're physical. They fi- they figured out a way to out rebound Arizona uh, on Saturday, and the Utah Utes. They are, they're also physical on rebounding. So pay attention to that tonight. And I think that Utah, Stanford, UCLA, I mean, those are some of the toughest matchups for Arizona. But still, I like Arizona against all of those teams. We saw what Arizona could do in an ugly showdown against UCLA. I mean, they uglied it up. They scored under 60 points and still found a way to win. But, they, but they've also uh, scored a lot of points in games, and they've also won games as well. So this Arizona team has been able to adapt to a lot of things thrown their way this season. 
Azulu Subelis didn't have a good game against Stanford last weekend, the first time that he scored in single digits all season long. I don't imagine that being the case tonight uh, against the Utah Utes. And plus, Umar Balo, you know, he's he's had a little bit of his struggles, but I think that he's still one of the top big men, not only in the, in the Pac-12, but in college basketball as well. And I think my colleague uh, Bruce Pascoe did a tremendous job kind of breaking down the three losses in the calendar year for Arizona. And if you noticed, Arizona is a different team on Thursdays than they are on Saturdays. So on Thursdays, they're shooting right around 39% from the field, 31% for three-point range. On uh, on Saturdays, uh, or excuse me, they're holding teams to 39% shooting, 31% from three. And then on Saturdays, their opponents are shooting 43 and 36 Arizona, on Thursdays, they're shooting closer to 50% from the field and then closer to 40% on Saturdays. So Arizona is always a really good team on Thursdays. Um, in true weekend pairings, Arizona is 13-0 and on Thursday. In true weekend pack, in true Pac-12 pairings, Arizona's 13-0 and on Thursday. On Saturday, they're 9-4. and that's under Tommy Lloyd this year. So, um, yeah, Arizona, they get it done on Thursday. Today's Thursday. I like the Wildcats a lot against the Utah Utes. But number eight, Arizona, taking on the Utah Utes tonight. Tip-off is set for 8 p.m. Josh Green in the house, former Arizona Wildcat, getting uh, inducted into the Ring of Honor. All right, coming up next on ESPN Tucson, we're going to hear from uh, Jody Ayler, former ESPN Tucson radio host, now up in Phoenix doing his thing. He's a host of the morning show on Fox Sports up there, and he's going to call in to talk to us about KD's introductory press conference and what the future holds with the Arizona Cardinals with Jonathan Gannon as their next head coach. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. We're bringing Sexy back, all right. And Sexy goes by the name of Jody Ayler, host of The Drive, 6 to 10 AM on Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix. And he joins us here on ESPN Tucson. What's up, Sexy? How's it going, Jody? What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, man. And uh, I know that you were at Footprint Center earlier today for the Kevin Durant introductory press conference. You tweeted it earlier this afternoon. You have never seen an introductory press conference quite like that. Talk to us about the details and what led you to make that statement. Yeah, it was a spectacle. I mean, first of all, there were 5,000 fans in attendance. They were booing questions. They were cheering questions. They were chanting during questions. It was, you know, you you have also been to thousands and thousands of press conferences. They're usually pretty pretty stale, yeah. pretty sterile. It's reporters asking questions. It can get a little testy. There can sometimes be a change in the energy. I mean, Sean Miller famously would be the guy that would kind of go at a reporter and everyone would kind of clench up, but for the most part, like the public doesn't participate. This was like a full crowd participation. Nick Friedel of ESPN, who covers the Brooklyn Nets, asked a question about Kevin Durant's time, and the crowd immediately starts booing him. And, you know, the whole setup at midcourt, and they've got this big backdrop. And, it, I mean, it was just – it was a production. Usually it's a table, it's a microphone, it's maybe a backdrop with a sponsor's logo. And 
Um, this was a new era of Phoenix Suns basketball. It's Matt Ishbia. I don't think he likes doing things small. Um, now, the feedback I was getting from a lot of the media there, particularly the print journalists and national guys, are like, "We this is not this is not how we want to do press conferences." But uh, it was it was something. It was it was memorable. Absolutely. And you know, you look at the the core that the Phoenix Suns have right now: Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul. You'd have to imagine that they are the favorite to come out of the Western Conference and compete for an NBA championship, which is crazy to say, Jody, because I don't know about you, but it truly felt like that championship window for the Suns was slammed shut. And now getting a guy like Kevin Durant, it completely opens it back up. And if things work out well and they win a championship, this could go down as the biggest trade in Arizona sports history. Yeah, it's wild. I agree 100% with you. I thought after that finals run when it was clear they just they were missing a guy, and then for two years James Jones basically sat on his hands and just kept running it back with a team that was really good but not a championship team. Uh, to make this splash at this moment, you know, there's going to be questions about the durability and health. Uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant have all, for de- different reasons, struggled to stay healthy in the regular season, struggled to stay healthy in the postseason in recent years. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I do agree. I mean, I think maybe the most underappreciated part of this transaction is T.J. Warren, the, the toss-in basically, is a bucket getter off the bench that they've been missing for two years since campaign, champagne, campaign went, went south and just stopped making shots. So, I, you know, I think Mikhail Bridges is an incredible young player. I think Cam Johnson's a very good player. But I do think T.J. Warren, as a pure microwave score off the bench, is better suited in that role than anyone the Suns have had in the last three years. So Terrence Ross is a real guy. It's it's a real team. It's just do they and will they have enough time to gel to form that backbone of a team that's going to have to get forged through, you know, three Western Conference playoff series and potential NBA finals. Well, and while it also seems like, man, the Suns are the favorites to win the NBA championship, you know, you've been following Arizona sports for a long time. It, I mean, if I feel like Arizona sports fans get kicked in the nuts so many times over and over and over again. So what's the uh, the the pessimistic side of you telling you that maybe this won't work out? It's just it's just health and it's it's the history. You're, you're right. We're we're all uh, we're all Arizona sports fans used to the sports world just yelling, "What's the capital of Thailand?" at us over and over again, and we just <laughs> you know fall for the same trick over and over again and. With this one, it's just when has the super team actually been a fully realized thing? I guess you go back to the Heatles and all the trials and tribulations, but, man, they were at different stages of their career than Kevin Durant is. Uh, the Clippers have a Western Conference Finals appearance to show for their massive trade for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but, you know, they also gave up Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And that is a reality that the Suns may face in the near future if Mikhail Bridges blossoms into a similar play. Now, I, I don't think he will. He dropped 45 last night. He's a very good player, but I don't think he's going to anchor a championship team. It's just there is a chance this goes poorly because most of the quote-unquote super teams that are uh, sort of inorganically manufactured, they just they don't work. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, in four out of their five years together, have not advanced past the first round of the NBA playoffs. So I I think it's just a a recognition that super teams are great. This is the comp I make, and I I think you'll appreciate it given your background and and some of the beats you cover, Justin. It's like sometimes 
the best day for a five-star recruit committing to a program is the day they commit. And then it's usually, you know, it's a hassle, and then there's playing time, and then they transfer or they leave early. And there is a chance that the best day of Kevin Durant's Phoenix Suns career was today, and that there's a ton of frustration and injuries and what-ifs ahead. But um, on the other hand, man, it's it's Kevin Durant playing hoops in in Phoenix, and we're all going to get to turn on Suns games, and there's going to be this, you know, ice-cold assassin just hitting shot. That's that's just awesome. Jody Ayler from Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. <clears throat> All right, Jody, now let's transition over to the other introductory press conference. This one didn't have thousands of fans in attendance, but it was Jonathan Gannon introduced as the new leader of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know that. But it feels like he wasn't really their fourth or fifth choice. Uh, it, it seems like they really had to deep down and, and get this Jonathan Gannon guy and convince him to join the Cardinals. But he's up for the challenge. He's going to do it. What do you make of this new hire? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, that you mentioned there were no fans in attendance, but there were a lot of members of the current Arizona Cardinals roster. Kyler Murray was front and center. Um, Dak Ertz, front and center. James Conner, front and center. Offensive lineman, front. I, I don't remember seeing a showing of current players for a coach's press conference like that, um, maybe ever. And I think that's a really good step in the right direction. I think uh, kind of a renewed energy for the, the Cardinals and the new culture is an absolute must. Like, here's the thing about Jonathan Gannon. He's got a pretty light resume, two years as a coordinator. He's 40 years old. He's been 15 years in the NFL as a coach. This is not a schematic hire. They're not asking him to bring his playbook. Let's just copy and paste and put it into the Cardinals' playbook. He's not some X's and O's genius that's going to suddenly wave a magic wand and they're going to have dudes just crushing it. That may happen. What he is is a leader. What he is is someone who has the ability to connect with players. And what he is is is, is a risk. But I think it's a risk worth taking for the Cardinals. Um, I applaud Michael Bidwell and the organization for following through on basically hiring outside the organization. Vance Joseph was just informed. He's no longer going to be the defensive coordinator on the staff. So it's a so basically a total fresh start. Um, Jonathan Gannon is an immediate upgrade from Cliff Kingsbury in a lot of ways. Uh, I thought today this press conference, he spoke with a conviction that Cliff could never have because Cliff never succeeded as a head coach. Cliff entered the NFL as a fired head coach in college football. Jonathan Gannon's biggest failure of his coaching career is the second half of the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So I think he comes with a background of like he he wins, he succeeds, and I think that energy is what the Cardinals need. So Jonathan Gannon uh, said to reporters that he was going to meet with Vance Joseph and you know if their visions align that they're going to move forward. Obviously, those visions didn't align. So is this, is this new? Did this happen within the next hour or so that Vance Joseph isn't coming back? Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and I don't think they were ever really going to align. I think okay. uh, Vance Jones, I mean, defensive coordinator, first-time head coach, you're going to want things done your way. You're going to want someone that kind of takes the orders from the top. And Vance Joseph's too accomplished. He's too good. He's got too many ideas of his own. Vance Joseph is a very good coach, in my opinion. I think he'll be in demand. I think he'll go help a team defensively. But it's it's pretty clear, like, 
I don't know, you know, if they brought in a, a new radio host and they were like, you guys have to get along, but a completely different style and a completely different philosophy, it, it wouldn't work. So I, I'm not surprised. Um, I am just a little continuously surprised that the Cardinals are willing to, you know, pay salaries and buyouts and not force anyone to stay on the team because Michael Bidwell's sick of cutting checks. Jody Ayler from Fox Sports 910 Phoenix joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. You can follow Jody on Twitter at Radio Jody. Jody, always appreciate your insight. Thank you as always, my friend. Hey, you're the best, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jody. ESPN Tucson founding father, Jody Ayler. Always put some respect on that that guy's name. Uh, I love Jody a lot. Love Zach Clark. Always love our our predecessors here on ESPN Tucson. Always thankful for the opportunity and platform that those guys have been able to provide myself and Ali. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, if you want to join the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. What do you make of Kevin Durant, now the newest member of the Phoenix Suns? Also, are the Cardinals going to get it done with Jonathan Gannon as their next head coach? 719-1490 is that phone number. Call in, more Spears and Ali coming up next. We got a couple of frosty ones in our hands. Like Frosties from Wendy's? No, man. Not, I'm just kidding. We're not I'm six. Kidding. <laughs> you want to be the Batman of Tucson or the Shirley Temple? I mean, lol, you want a lollipop? No. I'm telling you, he's in the he's in the running for the, the Spears and Ollie. It's a great day to be a Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Uh, is he uh, one over? Jeez. Got to have Brian Kelly whenever we talk about Tiger Woods. It's a great day to be a Tiger. So Tiger Woods uh, right now playing in the Genesis Invitational. It's uh, his first PGA tournament since uh, was October last year. Um, So it's been a, a little while since Tiger Woods has competed in an event, and it's really awesome to see him uh, back on the course again. And right now he's, uh, I believe, one over or even, and he's through 11 right now. And he's paired up with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. So so no pressure. So fun, fun group to watch. (laughs) But uh, he's got his uh, work cut out for him because, uh, yeah, he's tied for 63rd. He he is one over now. So he is one over? Yeah, he's uh, he's tied for 80th now. Yikes. Yikes. So, yeah, Tiger Woods, one over, tied for 80th. And meanwhile, you got Max Homa, number one right now after seven under in his first Same, round. Man. Seven under. John Rahm, uh, one stroke behind him, shot six under today. And then uh, Matt Kuchar tied for third um, at five under as well. Uh, but, yeah, Tiger Woods, gl- just so happy to see him back at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. Uh, all right, so Kevin Durant was introduced as the newest member of the Phoenix Suns today. Uh, had his had his introductory press conference, and uh, Jody Ayler was just on our show today, and he said that he had never seen anything like that before, where fans showed up to an introductory press conference and reacted to everything that the media did. And I would have gotten stage fright <laughs> asking <laughs> Kevin Durant or James Jones or Matt Ishbia, the new owner, because uh, I, I I didn't want to piss off the fans, right? The, the fans were actually booing members of the media. So, like, Nick Friedle, 
He's the Brooklyn Nets beat reporter from ESPN. He asked a question, and they just started dousing him with booze because he asked him, how would you summarize your time in Brooklyn? And Phoenix Suns fans are like, ah, you idiot. We don't want to talk about Brooklyn. Like like he's going like, like to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we want to talk about Phoenix. Now is Phoenix. We don't want to Phoenix. talk about Brooklyn. We don't no, want to talk about Brooklyn. Arizona. So <laughs> they they booed Nick Friedle. And then, of course, you know, questions that were obviously somewhat positive about the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns fans cheered him on. It's a, It was a weird event. Now, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, hey, I never, I never back down from a tough question. I never back down from a tough question. But I will say this. Answering one or asking one? Huh? Answering or asking one? Both. <laughs> Why, do you have a tough question right now? I might, th- I might think of one. Okay. Well, asking the, the tough question, I have no problem doing it, but just in my years past, I've been in a room that's just had reporters in it, right? It doesn't have thousands of fans. No consequences. Exactly. Like, if I hear so- somebody say that, you know, that Justin Spears is an idiot, it's usually in the comments on YouTube. Not, or from Saul Bookman you know, earlier. Or from Saul Bookman <laughs> during my interview with Derek Montilla. Um, but yeah, usually it, it's in the comments on the internet. No, these are reactions face to face. People are letting you know if you asked a, a terrible question or not. So I've never seen anything like that before. But it was it was cool, man. And as a guy who's been in Arizona and who's followed Arizona sports, right? I'm not a Phoenix Suns fan, but I've been following the the team now for a while just from living in Arizona. And the the Suns are now in a position that they haven't really been in a long time, even a couple years ago when they went to the NBA Finals. Like, there's a lot of attention now on the Phoenix Suns. Beforehand, remember, it was the Suns winning a bunch of games and you know, they were like the Roddy Dangerfield of the NBA. Like, no one gives us respect. No respect. No respect. No respect at all. When they, and they were saying that because people were diminishing their route to the NBA Finals because they were very fortunate enough to have the opposing team have significant injuries until the NBA Finals. So Some people. Some people. Some, some of them. Me. Who knows who. Me. I will say that. <laughs> me. Well, they run into a healthy Milwaukee Bucks team, and they lose four straight. You know, I, I'm just saying. But people, or the Phoenix Suns, felt like they got no respect. No one gives us any respect. And eventually they got smoked by the Dallas Mavericks, and then all that respect went out the window. Nobody cared about the Phoenix Suns anymore. And then Devin Booker has his, his groin injury and is out for several weeks, and the Phoenix Suns are... Teetering around 500 when initially they were the first, uh, they, they were the the first seed in the Western Conference. They had the best record not only in the West but in the NBA. Like the Suns got off to such a hot start, it was looking so promising to them. They get derailed by injuries. It doesn't look so promising for them. And even with, when they were healthy in winning games, did we really view the Suns as a title contender? I certainly did it because anytime I think about the Suns. Competing for a championship, I just remember Chris Paul never delivering when the lights are truly on him. But, hey, Chris Paul doesn't need to be that guy anymore. He could be, heck, the fourth option for the Phoenix Suns, which is a winning scenario for him. But no one really gave the Phoenix Suns any sort of love or attention. Now, with getting a guy like a Kevin Durant, with the core that they have right now, the core 
that led them to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago, you add in a Kevin Durant, all the intention right now is on the Phoenix Suns. And people are going to have their eyes on this franchise moving forward. And they're going to have a lot of expectations. And again, that's something that the franchise really didn't have. You know, when they went to the NBA Finals, nobody expected them to get that far. But they they went there. And then even when they went there, nobody really gave him gave them the proper respect. Now, they, they're going to get some respect. And especially if they go to the NBA Finals and they win this whole thing. Like I said, when it's all said and done, this could be the biggest trade in Arizona sports history. Uh, but they have their work cut out for them because right now they're the number four seed in the Western Conference. Uh, right now the Sacramento Kings are 32 and 25. They're in third place. The Memphis Grizzlies are 35 and 22. And then the Denver Nuggets are 41 and 18. Those are your top teams that are ranked ahead or are currently ahead of the Suns in the Western Conference standings. And those teams, I mean, the Grizzlies, what do they do at the NBA trade deadline? They didn't do squat. The Sacramento Kings, yeah, they had a good first half of the season, but do we really trust this franchise to put it together for one whole season? I like DeMontis Sabonis. I like De'Aaron Fox. But I'm waiting for when the Sacramento Kings kind of derail themselves a little bit this year. And then I look at the, the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. I'm not really too high on them this season. I think really the toughest teams out west for the Phoenix Suns. The Denver Nuggets, because of that matchup with Nikola Jokic, and the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. I'm not going to say that the Lakers are in that mix because they're right now the 13th in the Western Conference. They could put together a run and find themselves in a different position, in a different seating, but right now they're 13th, right? I'm not going to clamor for the the Lakers to to make it. I mean, I'm clamoring for the Lakers to make a big run, but I'm not hopeful for it because of what we've seen so far from Anthony Data Davis. I don't trust the man's health whatsoever. Uh, Getting D'Angelo Russell is a big addition. Uh, Malik Beasley, all those guys. Like, the Lakers made some moves, but I got to see it in order to believe it. So, I mean, I just look at the Western Conference, man, and I really just look at a few teams that truly stand in the way of the Phoenix Suns and that is the Los Angeles Clippers, the Dallas Mavericks, those two teams, and then maybe the the Golden State Warriors if they can get healthy and get on a run. But I don't know, man. I just I, I really like the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns' chances out west, and uh, they're going to be a really fun team to watch. Now they're 32 and 27. Can they go into All Star break feeling pretty good about themselves? Tonight they have the L.A. Clippers on TNT. That should be a fun game. Um, Let's see what the Phoenix Suns can do going into the All-Star break and then coming out of All-Star break, introducing a guy like Kevin Durant. That's going to be big time. I would love to see KD come back and play against the Oklahoma City Thunder. If KD could play against OKC, the team that drafted him, that'd be a great way to start his career with the Phoenix Suns. But Phoenix also has to be thinking long-term picture here. Okay, Let's worry about a championship rather than playing important regular season games. Uh, All right, coming up next on Spears of Ali, we're going to close out our number two. If you want to call into the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Cattle corn is the one food where I have absolutely no willpower. Oh, yeah. I, I can eat like a big 
one of those big bags that you get at, at, at spring training? Cheddar popcorn. Yeah. I mean, kettle corn is the black sheep of the popcorn family. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. You could have had a, you could have an Italian what? grinder at EG's or the Vegemite sandwiches. That's what you're doing when you get at kettle corn. Hour number three of the Spear Show. <laughs> Andrew's on like a video game tear right now. It's Throwback Thursday. That's true. <laughs> wow. Way to make me feel old. So you play the Nintendo Wii music because it's Throwback Thursday? Yeah. Nintendo Wii is throwback? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Didn't the Nintendo Wii drop in, like, 2006? It did, but but still, don't make me feel old, man. Don't make me feel old because, I'm gonna do it real quick. to me, that, that yeah, seems like 2006. a somewhat know that? new game system, and yet it's throwback. Um, wh- what's one song that you heard on a throwback station that made you realize how old you were? Uh, recently, I think I heard Green Day on KLPX. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I heard a Flo Rida song on Throwback. It was like, it was the apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. That song was on a Throwback <laughs> station, and I, I could not believe it. Oldies but it's goodies. Um, all right. To end our number two here, uh, we were just talking about Kevin Durant being hired, being hired, being introduced as the newest member of the Phoenix Suns. Well, I mean, the Phoenix Suns do employ him. So, yeah, technically they did announce that they're hiring Kevin Durant, but they traded for KD, announced that he is the newest member uh, at the introductory press conference today at Footprint Center, and the future is here. The Phoenix Suns' future is finally here, and it's just in time leading into All-Star break. And I'm curious how that's going to work out. Are they going to ever acknowledge the fact that he played for the Brooklyn Nets, or is he just going to be an all-star as a member of the Phoenix Suns. I'm not really so sure how all that's going to work out, but he's not going to participate in all-star festivities, still rehabbing from that knee injury, but he is an all-star starter. Uh, However, he's not going to return until probably a few games after all-star break. I know a lot of people are saying that Oklahoma City, that first game back after all-star break, that's the one that he's going to come back and play in, that's not necessarily a guarantee. As much as it would be cool for that to happen, uh, it's it's not a given. But another thing that's also going on uh, in the NBA, uh, Joe Mazzulla ha- is named full-time head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, Joe Mazzulla took over for Ime Udoka, who is suspended for the year uh, for his little situation, having inappropriate relationships in the workplace. And so with Ime Udoka out for the year, Joe Mazzulla – uh, he takes over, and Missoula, who kind of reminds me a little bit of Miles Simon. Like, when you look at him, they kind of they, they almost look like they could be related in some way. Uh, but Joe Missoula, he has the Celtics as the, the best team in the NBA right now. So the Celtics were like, hey, we've seen enough. We're making this guy our full-time head coach. So Ime Udoka uh, is on the market right now. So Joe Missoula, no longer the interim head coach. He is full-time moving forward. Um, all right, so we have about a minute left here. Let's do a couple of uh, Throwback Thursday bits. On this day in sports history, in 1972, Wilt Chamberlain became the first player to score over 3,000 points, uh, and he did it with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and they lost to the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> um, which is which epitomizes LeBron's career with the Lakers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Breaking records. 
and then they lose to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, in 1992, the Lakers officially retire Magic Johnson's number 32 jersey, and then in 1999, O.J. Simpson's Heisman Trophy sold for $230,000 as part of the uh, $33 million uh, civil lawsuit from the double murder of Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. Um, So yeah, OJ's Heisman Trophy sold on this day in 1999 for $230,000. You know what's crazy about that whole O.J. Simpson memorabilia thing was that he was signing autographs in prison. Like, while he was in jail, they would bring him, like, the panels off of football, and they would have him sign it, and then they would take the panel and then go and stitch it back onto the football, and then they would sell it to collectors. And they would do this in jail, and he was making money. That's how he was paying the Dream Team, his lawyers and all those guys, so... All right, hour number two in the books. Hour number three coming up next. We're going to talk Arizona Wildcats basketball. Stay tuned.